Well, hey, this morning we're going to talk about uh, authority, kingdom authority. It's a big subject. It's a big subject. We could go for weeks on this. And um, and so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. That will be our text today. Um, Hebrews 13, 17 through 18. And um, I love the book of Hebrews. How many like Hebrews? It's so powerful. We're, we're in chapter 13, and we're going to start, uh, we're going to look at uh, two verses, 17 and 18. Let's pray, and then we'll read the scripture. Father, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that we are a part of the household of God. We thank you for your kingdom, God. We thank you that we're just not a club, <laughs> but that we are the company of the redeemed. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that you're our Father, that you're a king, that you're the king of all, that you're the king of all kings, and, and we thank you for that, God. And we ask you for the anointing today to be upon us, that you'd pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, and that you would just open it up in here in the spirit right now in the name of Jesus. That you'd come like a mighty wind and blow through the atmosphere. Yeah, that we could receive from you and be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. So, hey, we've been talking about... Uh, we, we did a couple of messages on, uh, the like, kingdom government. We talked about the fivefold. Remember, that's what we called it. The fivefold ministry. We talked about how God has a government within his family and and he has these gifts that he's given to us in the church right and these gifts are people and they're unique they're unique people unique gifts and uh and they're apostles prophets pastors teachers and evangelists and and so we've come to call that the fivefold ministry and um and it says that when jesus ascended on high he gave gifts to men so Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was the apostle. He was the prophet. He was a teacher. He was the good shepherd, is still today. The good shepherd, right? He enters by the gate. The sheep know his voice. He's the one who gathers. He goes after the one, brings them back in. Jesus the shepherd. And an evangelist. And Jesus was evangelizing and, and, um, and, and so Jesus went about, the Bible says, doing good. He went about announcing a kingdom. And then when he, he died on the cross, we know this, this is the gospel, right? He paid the price to reconcile us back to God with his own blood. He was buried for three days. He rose from the dead and he ascended on high. And it says, and that is when, it says when he ascended, he gave gifts to people. And it's powerful. So what he did was he took his own grace and and he and he spread it out amongst us. And these people, these apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists are a part of this authority structure in the kingdom. But their goal is that their, their whole purpose is to equip the church, you and me, 
so that we can all do the work of the ministry. And there have been times in the body of Christ where we, you know, the church would grow complacent. And then in those times we would see maybe the pastor as the one who would do all the ministry, right? The other thing I would say is this right here is not all the ministry. <laughs> this right here is not all the ministry. In he, the, well, the, the equipping happens because the ministry is all everywhere, out there, wherever you go. And sometimes we think that, that, that my ministry is not valid if I'm not standing behind one of these things on a Sunday or something. Now, if you're called to that, then awesome. Right? But I'll tell you what, like, the real ministry, what happens when we gather in these types of gatherings, one of the things that happens is that there is an equipping that happens. There is a grace that's released. And so that when we go out into the world, we're salt and we're light. We're leaven. We go out and we, we release the kingdom. We don't just announce it. We release it. And so, so people that we work with receive and experience the kingdom of God. Amen? So everybody's in the ministry. Every Christian has a ministry. Ministry means service. All right. And, and we better read the Bible. Let's do this. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17, and 18. Uh, here we go. Um, let's start with 16. Do not neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account, so so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. For that would, not, that would be unprofitable for you. And then Paul says, pray for us. It's a good word. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about my own journey in this today. One thing, one value that I have is I never want to, I never want to teach about something or preach something that I haven't eaten myself and that hasn't affected my own life. It, it's a value that I have. Like, they, it, the kingdom has to take on flesh, really, in order for it to have authority. And so, uh, I want to share my own personal journey today. So, maybe a different, little bit of a different flavor. But, um, let me start by saying that authority is a scary word. For a lot of people. Like many things. What was designed to be a blessing. Has actually caused pain in a lot of lives. And I'm talking about authority. Right. Whenever we teach on leadership. Whenever I do a leadership training. Which I haven't done here. But. We will. But when we. When we. When we do leadership training, one of the things that I often point out is that one part of leadership is there's an anointing for leadership. There's another thing. There's the skill of leadership. And the thing about skills is that you, you can learn them. That's the good news. So, so if you desire to be a leader, which again, you're a Christian, which makes you a leader in some capacity, 
and you go, well, I don't know how to be a leader. Well, the good news is one major aspect of leadership is skill. And you can learn skill. Anybody can learn skills. Now, another word for skills would be tools. And here's the point that I want to make. That the tools of leadership, see, whether or not you are leading with kingdom leadership or not, has everything to do with what's inside of here. That's the thing. And, and you know what's amazing? This, it, it all, everything comes out of here. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? Sometimes we don't know when we're young, you know? Like, and, um, and so God has a wonderful thing called serving. Because serving works your heart out. And here's a little key. If you're serving and you're grumpy about it, that's a sign that you need to keep serving. Because if you keep serving, then your attitude will change. If you're serving and you're grumpy, you, you need your attitude to change. Because we're called to serve with joy. And, and so, uh, and it's amazing. Like, someone's like, I'm called to be an evangelist. You know, I'm going to preach to stadiums. And, uh, and I'm here now. Here I am. And you're like, that's great. Uh, I don't have any stadiums. But do you know what? Honestly, if you really want to help, we need the chairs to be set up every Sunday and for each of our meetings. We want them to look nice when people come in. Can you help with that? Well, that's not my calling. I'm called to preach to stadiums. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're like, well, right now, I'm calling you. And, uh, and, and so... And I'll just tell you that it's the greatest gift to serve. This is kind of for free today. It's the greatest gift to serve because it is where the heart gets refined. And if you will serve and not quit serving, eventually your heart will be aligned. It's a good word. And if you get an attitude and you check out, the Lord's like, no problem. I'm going to have another opportunity because he's so faithful to us. He will he will he won't give up. He won't give up on us. That's the good news and also like, oh, I can't dodge God. You know, I remember vowing one time. I, I said I needed a second job. I was going through school ministry and I made a statement. Never be careful what you say in front of God. And I and I said, I go, yeah, that's fine. I'll do anything. But I'm just I won't wash dishes because I wash dishes as a teenager. I just need the second job, except I don't want to wash dishes. So I took this restaurant job and I'm like, sweet. And I'm working this restaurant job just a couple extra nights a week to bring in a few extra dollars. And um, the end of the night, my boss says to this man named Bartolo, hey, take him to the back and show him uh, what the cleanup is. Guess what it was? Dishes! Dishes! I was like, I got back to it. I'm like, no, God, what did you do to me? I, mean, I just knew I was caught, you know, and I'm just like, oh, this is such a bummer. And, um, but I found joy in it and had my breakthrough. And, um, yep, keep serving. Okay, we better move. So, so authority, so what I was going to say about leadership is that the tools of leadership are either great tools of liberation to bring freedom and covering to people, or they're the greatest devices of manipulation and control that you've ever seen. And the thing is, it's the same tool. That's a hammer. 
You can use a hammer to drive a nail or you can hit somebody with it. And you see somebody hitting somebody with a hammer and you're like, hammers are evil. There should be no hammers in this world. But that is what we do with authority and leadership. I was hurt by a leader, so nobody should be one. No one should be in charge. This would be better if nobody was in charge. You get what I'm saying? This is the other extreme. And so what I'm saying to you is that what is meant to be a covering and a blessing in our world, whether it was a bus driver, a policeman, a grumpy teacher, a parent, whatever it was, even somebody in ministry, who and, and I was hurt by them. And now I'm afraid of anybody who carries any kind of authority. But when we get wounded in relationship, we also get healed in relationship. Think about when you're wounded in relationship, the only way to get healing is to have a, a redeeming experience in relationship. You might say, well, I forgave. I forgave. I'm good. Well, you forgave. But you're not walking in healing until you've had a different experience. And that's where the courage takes place. And sometimes what we do is we get stuck. We go, well, I forgave and I'm good by myself. And the Lord says, well, you may have forgiven, but you have not been restored. And my heart for you is restoration beyond what you've ever experienced before. And, and because son, daughter, you will never have the joy that I desire for you unless you are restored. And, and so this is God's heart for authority. We hear the word authority, we think scary, but in the kingdom, authority is supposed to be a covering. Authority comes from our father. It's like being in a warm house where there's everything you need. This is God's ideal. And... Yes, he can be fierce, not mean, but serious. Sometimes God speaks to us and he's serious about what he says. Terry had a word for us recently. God's not messing around. And, uh, and I'm like, he, he's not messing around, but, um, but he's good. He's good. All right. Um, so, so the mission for us as the church is to see the kingdom of heaven established on planet Earth. Basically, that the earth will look like heaven. This is God's agenda. That the rulership of Jesus Christ will be seen through the new Jerusalem that ascends from heaven. That's you and me, the new Jerusalem, the city of God. Do you know the city of God is made out of people? And, and, and planted on the earth where the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ is manifest. Amen. And in this, it is God's heart that we thrive. Somebody say thrive. thrive. Thrive is a good word, right? Like, how you doing? I'm good. But you know what? Thriving. Thriving is where we want to be. Thriving feels like life. Um, so again, for the text, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. Now, here's what I want to say here. The Bible talks a lot about leadership and authority in different ways. There's our spiritual authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, right? And, and, then, and then it talks about 
uh, the authority on planet Earth. So we've got our judges, our police officers, our government. Yes, government is a design of God. Now, now whether it's manifesting fully the kingdom, it, it doesn't matter. But we're, we're, and we'll probably get to that subject as well. But I just had this thought. as a, Maybe you can just think about this. What if every Christian on the entire planet blessed and prayed for their government, their president, whoever it was, every day, instead of just hating them, or, or crit, maybe don't hate them, criticizing everything. I'll tell you, the media is full of criticism. And, well, we're not going to go there today. But... But there's that realm of authority, which is why I'm bringing that up. Today I'm talking about spiritual authority. We know it's spiritual authority because he's saying the leaders that I am to submit to are those who are actually keeping watch over my soul. That's an indicator that we're talking about spiritual leadership here. And isn't it amazing? Like if you desire to be a leader, do you realize that God will then someday ask you and I to give an account for those people that he entrusted us with. I remember when I was a youth pastor, um, we started getting some of the rougher kids into youth group. And the Lord spoke to me one day. I mean, the youth group was, it went through a really rough transition, actually. The, the youth pastor that was there for five years, they, they were like a spiritual parent to these kids, and they just felt the transition, like, boom, boom, like overnight. It was just about, and the kids just felt, I mean, transitions happen, guys, and, and, and that, that's just the reality of life and everything, but, but it was really quick and overnight, and that really, it was a bunch of kids kind of felt abandoned by a spiritual parent, and so I came in, and you know, you're just kind of like nursing lots of hurting kids, and, and uh, who really looked to somebody who just kind of disappeared, and I mean, they went on to do something else for the kingdom. It just really, it was sudden. Uh, the point is, we kind of made it through that season, and then the, and then the youth group began to grow again. And, um, and some of these kids were coming in, and the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, I'm going to start trusting you with these ones. Which was such a powerful insight immediately to God's heart. Not like, here's the spiritual kid, here's the... Here's the kid that's grounded in the word, flowing in the gifts, full of the spirit. I'm going to trust you with those. But here's some broken ones. I'm going to trust you with these. And 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 I felt such a ah oh, such a privilege from the father that he was saying like these are my treasures. I'm tr- I'm trusting you with these now. So as leaders, we give an account. And, and it says that what can we do for the, our leaders? Pray for them and live in a way where we doesn't make them hard, make it hard on them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, how many have ever made it hard on one of your leaders before? I have. I, uh, um, you know, I didn't mean to. And, um, and for the most part, I mean, I felt like I always had a good heart. But, you know, sometimes when you're learning, you bump your head a little bit. So... My story is this. My dad, um, my dad uh, grew up with no dad. And, uh, and he actually was raised by alcoholics. Um, the, the man who was in the home really didn't raise him at all. He was just there and 
it was his job to not be a problem as a kid. You know, just seen and not heard. He'd cry himself to sleep many nights. Learned to fend for himself. You know, grew up feeling pretty... Didn't know what it was like to be loved by by parents, really. And um, kind of raised by uh, um, other family members who also drank a lot. And so you get the point, right? And um, so... My mom and dad, they get married at a very young age. They're not married today, but they were married into my adulthood. Um, and so uh, and so my dad, I, always, I like to say it this way, my parents were the first out of the woods. That's kind of how I always envis- envisioned it. Like the first people in our family line to really outwardly say, we have been born again and we are serving Jesus. And uh, they got born again in Southern California in the, at the tail end of the Jesus movement, the Calvary Chapel movement. They were a part of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, under Chuck Smith. And so they just were taught the Word and baptized in the Spirit. And, um, but what you understand is maybe he's born again and has eternal life. But how many know that being born again and having eternal life doesn't actually heal a father wound right away? It positions you to be healed, right? And sometimes it happens quicker for others than for some. But my dad, one thing I heard from my dad growing up, um, and he, he repeated, it's enough that it stands out in my mind. He would say from time to time, I always wanted you to have it better than I did. And, uh, and you could, you could look at, you could look at our family, and if you were, like most any family, if you really wanted to be critical and find faults, you could definitely find some, you know. And um, but I'll tell you this: that the the childhood that I had was light years better than the one my dad had, and that was because of Christ. Now. I watched my dad through the years, and you know what happens is when you, people want to say that you don't need fathers, it's okay, you know, you don't need the family. God designed the family. Healthy fathers and mothers together, a father and a mother, a man and a woman, together, that's, that, there is no other ideal combination, a man who is a husband married to a woman who is the wife, and they have children together, and they love each other, and they love their kids. These are the healthiest kids in the world. I don't care what philosophy you have. Put them side by side, and you're going to see. It only takes... a Anybody can look and say, that kid smiles more than that kid. It's so... It's, I mean, and that's just the most surface observation. And, um, and so... But you watch people who grow up without a strong father figure in their life. And you know what? It's so innate. It is so inside of you that you cannot help the craving of your heart for a man who is like a father to look at you and say, you are a good man. Good job. You are doing a good job in life. You are a good, you are a good hard worker. Great job on that. Like, men, like, sons and daughters need, among other things, the affirmation and the modeling of a father. And, and, um, and so, 
my dad did the best he could. And and so when I gave my life to Jesus, he grabbed a hold of me and I surrendered. There was a man who came into my life and his name was my, is Michael Exline. I don't know what I don't know if the Lord gave him a new name. I mean, Michael Exline, he's in heaven now. And this man gave something to me that. Nobody else gave me growing up. Now, I'm thankful for my dad. No one can take my dad's spot. No one else could be my dad. You understand that. I'm going to honor my father. And, um, but I'll tell you, Michael began to do for me uh, what no one else did. He began to mentor me spiritually. He began to just sow into my life. He took me places. He bought me a Bible. You know, he, he, he would have me over... He would, we would spend time in the Word together. He would prophesy in my life. Actually, it was Michael who um, called me out of the day of my baptism before we were connected, who prophesied over me, and the Lord began to speak. It's where he made my mission known to me. And I felt it. I felt this draw to something significant. And, um, and yet Michael, he was a prophet, and he came out and he prophesied, um, over me that day and basically just let me know that the Lord was calling me and what it was all about. So, so I had this spiritual father. He was a mentor and a shepherd, really, of my soul. Now, Michael would give you a call. Brandon, hey, the Lord was just, show, was just sharing this with me. You know, man, he would just call you out. It, like, in the most loving way, but he'd call you. Hey, you know, how you doing? Or you'd just, be, you'd just be discouraged or low. Hey, how you doing? Oh, man. You know, he'd be there. He'd be calling you. Or I'd call him. So I began to, to experience with Michael this, this experience of having somebody who was like a guardian and a shepherd of my soul who saw the calling of God on my life, who knew who I was, and constantly was speaking to me and treating me accordingly. And he would take me on ministry trips. He would stretch me. He would, he would uh, challenge me. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I just want to say, sometimes we don't welcome that in our life, you know. So the church has gotten to a point where if somebody's like, Hey, and you're asking somebody about an aspect of their life. You know, you're like in relationship. How are you doing there? You doing all right there? You know, maybe you're not. So you get mad about it. You know what I'm saying? That's none of your business. I have a relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about? I know it's meddling a little bit. But, but... It, anyway, but if we can humble ourselves and we can receive people in our lives as these guardians and shepherds of our soul. Do you understand? You're like, I'm like, you know, I'm, man, I, I, I think of it as love. Like, I challenge people because they love them. Like, it, you know, and, and uh, I'm sitting there. I've been sitting with people before and you're just laboring long with them, right? Helping them to see that they are like bumping their head really bad, and if they continue, it's not going to go well. And and you're and so you're loving them, and you're calling, you're speaking truth to them, and you're calling them higher, right? And 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 you're and you're, I'm sitting there thinking, 
And I've even said it. I'm like, you know, I'm do I'm here because I love you. Like, there's some I could be doing anything else right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not like fun. Like, this is not like you know what would be really fun to challenge somebody in a place they don't really want to hear it at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Disneyland, no. You know, so, you know, fishing, forget that, you know. And uh, and so, all right, I'm going to move on. Well, later, I began, I went to a school of ministry. And, and this man, Michael, spoke in my life. And he said, he said, I've been a spiritual father to you. And he knew that that was true. And I was comfortable with him saying that. And um, and he said, but the Lord spoke to me and he said, he's bringing you to a house of many fathers. At this place. In that house. I will tell you that I experienced fatherhood. God's fatherhood through people. In a deeper way than I ever had before. And I and it's so true what Michael prophesied over me that day. I could list fathers in my life who who have spoken to me or simply asked me a question that changed me. Oh wow, that's a perspective. Thank you. You know, and and so and what it takes is humility and a desire to grow. Let's just hit this real quick. I want to mention that all authority is God-given. There's no authority except for God. So you realize that all authority on the entire planet comes from one place? And you go, well, that, that guy's evil. That guy's corrupt. Well, I didn't tell you, I didn't say what he's doing with his authority. But I will tell you that the authority he's given does come ultimately from God. Because authority can only be given and it only comes through this flow. It was like the it's like the uh, Psalm 133 is what Maggie was quoting earlier today. Oh, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil poured over the head of Aaron. But when you look at that picture, who gets the oil? If it wasn't just Aaron, you saw that as the body of Christ. Who gets the oil? Those who are aligned in the body in their rightful place. If the hand is off over there, it ain't healthy. It's not getting blood, but it's not getting oil either. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it flowed. The oil flowed. Just the hand was over there. It doesn't get oil. So I want to be in alignment with what God has for me. Some of the benefits. What, what's the point today? The point is this. Is that God's authority is meant to be a benefit to you. It's a covering. And I think what we sometimes need to ask ourselves is, do I want to do whatever I want or do I want the blessing of God? Because I can do whatever I want. The prodigal son did whatever he wanted. And God even funded his mission. Like the father even funded his mission. Yeah, here's your inheritance. Have at it. Go for it. I'm going to do what I want. At the end of that, he's like, man, I just wish I was in my dad's house. I don't even care if I have anything. Just I just want to be with my dad. That's where the blessing is. And um, so, yeah, powerful. There's actually a what I what I really want us to see is that 
the kingdom of God actually has a structure. And I think often we think, well, we're all Christians and we all know God. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amen. But in a kingdom, everyone has their place. There are angels who are for, you know, like for a while, they're higher than us. Do you realize that? They're greater in their power. They're they're higher than us for now. It says of Jesus that he was made for a little while lower than the angels. Why? Because he became human. But then there's coming a day where the Bible says that you and I are actually going to be ascended and we're going to and and then we will judge angels. That's pretty powerful, right? But what I want to point out to you is that you do you realize and maybe we'll hit this more later, but do you realize that in Corinthians when it's talking about how the women should have a covering over their head for the sake of the angels? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a sign of authority for the sake of the angels. This is powerful. Now, we can go into all of what that means. For the record, I think that in Christ, there's no man or woman, slave or free, Jew or Greek, right? So everybody can do everything, man or woman. I believe that. And so does God. And, um, and, and, uh, but there is still this order. And, and so in their culture, this veil, this scarf that they would wear was a sign culturally of someone who is under a covering, under authority, right? We don't need to wear scarves today. There's nothing holy about a piece of material over your head if you're a woman. But, but what, why is this important? Because this is the powerful part, that angels even recognize who is under authority that God's given me in my life, you and I, and who is not. And there is an angelic protection even that comes to your life and to my life when we recognize what seat we have. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're, and, it, and we see it. Sometimes we see this as limiting. Are you guys tracking with me today? Okay. Sometimes we feel like it's what we're talking about here. Can we can see it in a limiting way, but actually it's not. It's empowering. It's the kingdom of empowerment. And so, so when I honor those, and I'll just tell you, my journey here. I was just talking to Shelly with Shelly about this recently. My journey here. This is the first season of my life that I've been a senior pastor. Right. And I've got years of experience in the ministry and have led many people, many people in many different realms and different ways. But in that structure, who my covering and who my authority was, was really clear to me. You try, you see what I'm saying? And so I'd say, okay, well then I submit. So, so in the summer months or whatever. So what's it look like to live out true submission? Well, if I want to be covered, then that means whoever's covered me gets input in my life. If you can't say anything to me, then there's really no covering that's coming from you. Right. And sometimes what we want is 
can you just stamp a covering on me so I can go do what I want and use your name? No, you can't do that. Because that'd be like handing you my checkbook and then just go do whatever you want. I'm like, no, I want input. Where, where are you writing those checks? You represent me when you're out writing those checks, and I know it's in that account for one. Okay, so God's account's lim- limitless. This is a big subject, I'm realizing. Now, what I've been, and so, so in this season now, who is my covering? That's a great question. Like, who, who is my covering? Well, I could name names. Well, great, Brandon. What does that look like? Because if it doesn't look like something, it doesn't exist. And, and so for me, and for you, what that looks like is actually up to me. How covered I want to be is going to be up to me. It's going to be up to me. It's going to have something to do with what's in here. And, 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 and it's nobody's job to call me and say, hey, Brandon. Now, people will. No, it's true. I know somebody will because they love me. But it's not their job to. See, me being covered is my responsibility. Because God says, here's my house. You know what I'm saying? Here's my house. Come on under the roof now. Stay, stay under the roof. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm going out here. I'm going out here. Oh, I'm getting rained on and I might get struck by lightning. You know, you're like, you know what I mean? In a big storm, like some of the storms we've had recently. And, um, and, and, and you're like, why am I getting rained on? Why is life so hard? Why? Why? Well, let me help you with that. Mind your own business. I know God. Why am I getting all rained on? What's going on? <laughs> I know it's intense. But, but I will tell you that I have experienced personally breakthrough just by going, Oh, I'm not getting rained on anymore. I, you know, I have seen people when they just come under a covering and come into community and allow others to begin to speak into their lives that you begin to see. It's crazy how it happens. It's, it doesn't add up on paper, but I'm telling you, it is. it works. They get healthier. They get financial breakthrough. Job openings start opening up. Opportunities start opening up. It's just like, it's amazing. And then you go, well, why are they getting it all? Do you get what I'm saying? And, and I'll tell you why. It's because there are things you don't see with your natural eyes that have more effect on your life than anything you do see. And it has everything to do with living according to God's design. I was going to expound on this story, but in closing, I want to tell you two quick nuggets here, two quick stories from my own life. And I've never preached this story before. And, uh, and so, but, but my, my, one of my first experiences in full-time ministry, I made a mistake. You know what it was? I thought, I thought it was my job to know everything. I did. 
And, and I think it really came, and I didn't know I thought that. Do you ever think something you didn't know you thought? Why do I feel alone all the time? Well, uh, you're trying to do everything alone. And, uh, and so, uh, and I had a leader in my life who loved me and, and who was laboring with me and was challenging me and was challenging me in an area where I was like, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. And I'm like, I didn't think there was anything wrong in my heart. But one day he goes, you know, I think you're kind of independent. <laughs> and I was like, what? It was, <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, I, I was so like, I was just getting so barbecued in this season of my life. And, um, and I am so thankful. Without telling you the whole story, I was bumping my head. Now, listen, I was seeing fruit. Stuff was happening. Kids' lives were being changed. Kids were coming to the ministry. It even began to grow. But you know when my breakthrough came? And I'll tell you a funny story. It was my first season. It was my. It was when I was a youth pastor full-time. It was my first full-time experience. And, uh, and... In the beginning of that, when I said yes to being a youth pastor, one of my interns had a dream. <laughs> and in, my, in the dream, we were all on a journey, and I fell, I fell down this big old thing. I fell onto this rock, and I was dead on the rock and, um, <laughs> in the dream. And she tells the dream, and, I, and then right after that, like this big miraculous thing happened, and it was amazing. She told me that dream, and I thought, that is disturbing. <laughs> I think that part's a flusher. And that leader in my life goes, and this is before any of the challenges came, he goes, no, you fall on the rock and you die to yourself so that we can see this breakthrough. And when he said it, I was like, oh my gosh, I knew it was God then. And I was like, thankfully, I can live with that one. So, literally live. And, uh, no, <laughs> anyway... And um, and fast forward now to the end of that season. I want to tell you what the breakthrough was in my season. I finally saw it one day. And I met that leader who's a friend and still a mentor of mine to this day in the breezeway outside. And I walked up to him and I looked him and tears in my eyes. And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I just want to serve you. And I realized that that was what God was looking for. See, I was performing. I was upset because he wanted me to do some things in the ministry that I wasn't feeling to do. I did them, but I was grumpy about some of it. Some of it was just me being stretched. It was new territory for me. I didn't, you know, and, and some of it was just downright, downright like, no, I want to start this, like, music club and get all the kids in there and have a massive harvest. I want to win souls. I want to, you know, and he's like, you got to do this first. And I'm like, all right. You know, and it was this grind. And then I realized one day, wait a minute. He has been entrusted by God with all of this. And he has asked me to help him steward what God has given him. And I'm making it hard on him. 
instead of bringing joy to him by the way I serve. And I'm telling you, as soon as I had that breakthrough, there was a major shift in my life. And all this favor came and all this brand new season opened up. And it was because I stood in the breezeway and I said, I'm so sorry. I just want to serve you. And he threw his arms around me and we just hugged it out. And uh, pretty soon after that, I transitioned. And I'll tell you an amazing thing. At, like people that didn't even know me or the, or the, or my journey or each other people. I mean, I took my youth to a ministry trip out of town and God was getting me everywhere. And, and lady comes up to me and she's like, pats me on the back. And she's like, this is from the Lord. He says, good job. Good job. Good job. And I was like, oh man, I could feel it. It was like, it was like God himself was patting me on the back. Good job, son. And then I come in, in Hebrews and somebody's like, you graduated. This is a promotion. And I'm like, wow. And God was speaking everywhere. And you know what? It all came down to this thing right here. That there were guardians and shepherds of my soul who were looking out for my good, laboring with me in ways that they did not have to. Would have been easier just to get somebody else. But I know, I'll tell you, we have a part to play in that. Because it, anyway. How hard it is on us really comes down to us. All right. So what comes with, could you stand? Please. I tell you, I really feel like one of the things God is highlighting with us, with this, with the uh, fivefold ministry, the apostolic structure, I've really felt the the anointing and the grace of God on those messages, and um, and because one of the things I feel like God is doing here with us and in this area is that He is establishing His authority and His kingdom in a new way, in a new season. And this is our goal, that we, this is our mission, rather, that you and I, that we partner together with him to see his kingdom come. And I just think it's so important that we as believers will break up with any kind of natural thinking that we may have let seep into our minds. That we are just not a Christian club we, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't just do what we do because it's something to do. But no, we're part of the household of God. There's real authority. There's real power. There are angels. There's an entire invisible realm backing up these ways of God. And I'll tell you, if you feel like there's a bump in your life, I am telling you, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Peace comes when you surrender to God's design. And if you keep hitting a wall and you're like, oh, it's so frustrating. I want it this way. I want it this way. There's a difference between when God puts something in your heart and you're contending with faith. There's a grace and a peace that goes with that. But when you just are grinding and bumping, the Bible says that the ungodly stumble 
And, and we're not ungodly, but when we partner with ungodly mindsets, we bump our heads too. And our loving Father comes and He goes, the reason is, is because you are attempting to do something that is outside of my design. Dick Joyce told a story years ago that he had, I think it was Dick Joyce, that he, he would have this reoccurring dream. You ever hear the cat dream, Shelley? He would have this reoccurring dream. I think it was Dick Joyce. And he, in his, in his dream, he was a cat. And the father was sitting on his throne. And, uh, and the cat would walk up. He, it was him. He, he was the cat. And he'd walk up beside the throne to be pet. And the father would reach down with his hand and pet him tail to head. Tail to head. And, it, and he was like, oh, and it just was like, oh, stop. It's so uncomfortable. And, and he had this reoccurring dream. At least three times I think he had this dream. The same thing. He's a cat. Comes up next to the father. And he reaches down tail to head. And he wakes up and he goes, God, why are you always... He's like, I, oh, if he was in the dream, he's like, meow, meow. He's like talking to the, yeah. He's like, why do you always pet me tail to head? And God said, turn around. It's us who adjusts. <laughs> You're petting me wrong, God, so turn around. And I'll tell you what, when you do, ah, feels so much better. <laughs> All right, put your hand on your heart if you will. I'm going to pray for you.